Last week, I told you we would be in the Gospel of John for three Sundays, a, a mini-series. And it coincides with the reading that you've been doing. If you've kept up with your daily Bible reading for the year, you've been reading the Gospel of John. That's been your New Testament reading. And so I said we would spend three consecutive Sundays uh, in John's Gospel. Last week was our first. We talked about the miracle that Jesus performed in John chapter 2 when he turned water to wine at that wedding at Cana. It was his first ever miracle today. We're going to talk about another miracle that is recorded for us in John's gospel. And actually, to be true to John, I really shouldn't call it a miracle. I should instead call it a sign, because that's the word that John prefers. When John talks about these mighty acts that Jesus does during his ministry, he prefers the Greek word that is translated sign over the word that is translated miracle that gets a lot of use in Matthew and Mark and Luke, the first three Gospels, what we call the synoptic Gospels. John uh, chooses the word sign over miracle. The word miracle focuses on the, the power that is seen in these acts, but the word sign is more focused on what is revealed from God. What God is disclosing in these miraculous acts, what might have been hidden before. The word sign is more focused on how God the Father is working through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so let's dive right in. We're in John chapter 9 this morning. And if you haven't already turned there, this is the passage, the first bit of which was read for us earlier. If you haven't turned there, I would invite you to turn there. I've got most of the text up on the screen. Let's dive right in. To John chapter 9, verse 1. As he, Jesus, passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. This man having never been able to see. And our heart immediately goes out to him, or at least it should. We should feel compassion for this man. Because he lived an undoubtedly, extremely difficult life. Uh, there was no such thing as Braille, no such thing as seeing eye dogs, no such thing as the Americans with Disabilities Act that pr protects the rights of handicapped people. People like him in this culture, they, you know, they had to scrape by to survive. They were forced to beg for their food. And on top of that, many of us, most of us, can scarcely imagine being blind. This man was never able to see, blind from the time he was born. And so I personally can't imagine never being able to look into the face of someone that you love, never being able to gaze at the beauty of a sunrise or a sunset, never knowing what blue looks like or green or yellow or red. So our heart should go out to this man. We should feel compassion for him, It's obvious as we keep reading that Jesus feels for him. Verse 2, his disciples asked him, that they look at him, they don't seem to feel compassion for him because this is what they say. Rabbi or teacher, who sinned? Was it this man or his parents that he was born blind? Who sinned, they say. They assume that he's blind, that he is handicapped because he, either he sinned or his parents sinned. And what Jesus quickly points out is this is a wrong assumption, that suffering is not always a direct result of a person's sin. 
we would do well to remember that. Jesus rebukes them here. He says, it wasn't that this man sinned or, or his parents. You're, you're just wrong on that. He says, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, it's not that God caused this man to be blind, but God is going to use what's about to happen to bring him glory. And so that reminds us that sometimes, even though God doesn't cause us to suffer, he might allow us to go through hardship so that he can providentially use our suffering and our difficulty to showcase his glory. And that's what he's about to do here. Jesus continues. He says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am. Listen to Jesus here. I am the light of the world. Jesus has already established this back in chapter 8, verse 12. He's already proclaimed himself to be the light of the world. This is one of the several famous I am statements that we find in John's Gospel. And this one in particular is very important. It's key for understanding this particular account. Having said these things, verse 6, he spit on the ground, Jesus did, and made mud with his saliva. And then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud, and he said to the man, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and he washed and he came back seeing. I always wonder why Jesus does certain things in order to bring about these miracles. In this case, he does something quite mysterious. He spits into the dust of the ground and makes a sort of mud, and he wipes it on the man's eyelids. Why does Jesus do that? I don't know. But as I read, I wondered if this might not be an echo to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, when God made man out of what? The dust of the earth. You know, John delights in double meanings. And I wouldn't put it past him to include this illusion, this echo. We already know that John likes to talk about the beginning. The Word was with God in the beginning. All things were made through Him. The Word being Jesus Christ. And so, it wouldn't be surprising to me that John is including this to show that the Creator is now recreating. That as the Father made all Man, out of the dust of the ground, now the Son is renovating, is restoring, is recreating by using the dust of the ground mixed with His spittle here. It's an amazing thought if you consider it. And this is an amazing event that this man who has never had vision, had the gift of sight, is suddenly able to see by being obedient to Jesus. Jesus places this this mud mixture on his eyes and tells him to go wash and he washes and he comes back seeing how happy he must have been. What was the first thing that he said when his eyes were open? What was the first observation he made about this world that he is just seeing for the first time? However, in this miracle story, or I better call it a sign story, the most interesting stuff happens after the healing. After the blind man is given the ability to physically see. Because what happens in the rest of this chapter is that there's this intense investigation 
that begins on what exactly happened to this man. And was he really the man who was formerly blind? And who was it that healed this man? And how did he do it? You see, this poor guy, he can't even enjoy his newfound sight for being given the third degree. He is put through the ringer in the rest of this chapter. He's intensely interrogated until almost the end of chapter 9. And so we're going to see that play out, but we're also going to see, and this more importantly, how this man who gains through this miracle his physical sight, we're going to see how he receives spiritual sight too. And in so doing, we're going to do an eye check on ourselves. We're going to test our vision this morning. We're going to ask ourselves, how well am I seeing my Lord and my world around me? So the first phase of the investigation is found beginning in verse 8 of this chapter, chapter 9. When we read this, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some said, yeah, it's he. But others said, no, but he's like him. He looks like him. He resembles him, but it can't be the same guy. But he kept saying, I am the man. You're looking at the guy who was blind, but who can now see it's me. So they said to him, well, then how are your eyes open? And he said, the man called Jesus made mud and he anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Salome and wash. And so I went and washed and received my sight. He recounts exactly what happens, what we just read in the first few verses of John 9. And they said to him, well, where is he? Where is the man who healed you? And he says, I don't know. There's a few things I notice about this section of the story as the investigation begins. I notice first that this man has been so radically transformed that some of his own neighbors, some of the people living in town, they don't even recognize him. He, he is unrecognizable to them. This is a man that they had seen since he was a little boy, a man that they, had, that they had passed by innumerable times as he sat begging for scraps to eat. And some say, yeah, I think that it's him. That's the same man who was the blind beggar, but now he can see. But others were saying, it can't be him. I mean, he looks like him, but it just can't be the same guy. And it reminds me that when we come to Jesus, when we receive salvation from Him, we should be so markedly different that some people may not even be able to recognize the new us. Now, I know it takes a while for the sanctification process to happen. And I know that over many days and months and years, we are transformed into the image of Christ. But there is something that happens when we respond to the glorious grace of Jesus Christ that totally transforms us and changes our countenance and our outlook on the world that some people might not even be able to recognize us. That happens here. Some people who know this guy and know him well say that cannot be the same guy. Second, something else that I notice about this part is look what this formerly blind man calls the one who healed him. He says it was the man called Jesus. It was this man called Jesus. He knows that there's something special about him but because you know, he rolls through town and, and he brings sight 
to him where he didn't have it before. He's never been able to see, and suddenly he can. So he knows there's something special about Jesus, but he's not, he's not quite sure what to do with Jesus yet. He doesn't know how to classify him yet. But watch how the rest of this story unfolds. Pay attention to the progression of this man and his development as we continue to read. The investigation enters its next phase in verse 13. So they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. And if you've read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know that when the Pharisees come into the picture, that's when things really get interesting. They take the guy to the big guns, to the experts in the law, to this sect that sort of ruled over Jewish belief and practice at this time. They take him to the Pharisees. And something else that adds some interest here, verse 14, now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes, and that adds a new wrinkle, doesn't it? Because Jesus has already been dinged for performing miracles, for healing people on the Sabbath. Jesus is trying to redefine how they thought about the Sabbath, or I should say, restore the Sabbath to its original intent. But they thought that Jesus' healings meant that he was working on the Sabbath, and they had a problem with that. And this happens on the Sabbath, on Saturday, on that seventh day of rest. And so we know that they're not going to like this. It was the Sabbath when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes, verse 15. So the Pharisees again asked him, how did you receive your sight? You know, it's like they've got this glaring spotlight on this guy and they keep hammering it. Instead of rejoicing that the blind man can now see, instead of being glad that he had been transformed by Jesus, they go into question mode. They go into cynical mode. They're wondering, give us all the details about it. So here they go, the Pharisees. They asked him how he'd received his sight. And he said, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Second time he's had to repeat the story. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he doesn't keep the Sabbath. He's not from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. Well, how do you explain how he performs these miracles then? Others said, well, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division. So they again said to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said... I believe he's a prophet. I believe he's a prophet. Earlier he says it was the man Jesus. Now he says he's a prophet of God. He is gradually seeing things more clearly. And his spiritual awakening as it unfolds in this story should serve as a model for ours as we travel from spiritual blindness to sight. As we embrace our Savior further so that our vision can improve and become more clear. We see it unfolding in this man's life before our very eyes. But the investigation is not over. Verse 18, the Jews didn't believe that he'd been blind and had received his sight. You've been able to see this whole time. You aren't really blind until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. They call in witnesses. And they said, 
is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents say, we know that this is our son. So they affirm his identity. And we know that he was born blind. And so they affirm that he had this condition. But how he now sees, we don't know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. And John tells us that his parents were afraid. Uh, but they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. He was to be expelled from the Jewish house of learning. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. We realize here what's at stake for this man. If he continues traveling further into faith in who Jesus really is, then he's at risk of being expelled of being thrown out and so now as we continue this man who has been healed who has received his sight is called back for more questioning verse 20 verse 24 for the second time they called the man who'd been blind and they said give glory to god we know that this man is a sinner speaking of jesus acknowledge that jesus is a sinner and in so doing you'll bring glory to god he answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. I love this statement in verse 25. It's underlined in my Bible. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Listen, I don't know everything there is to know about Jesus. I can't answer all of your intense questions about his identity, but I'm going to tell you this. Before he came into town, I couldn't see. But now that he has, I can see. I was blind, but now I can see. I can't answer all your questions about him, but I can attest to the fact that he has brought healing and wholeness into my life. I love that statement. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Uh, and, you know, I imagine at this point <laughs> that he wants to roll his eyes into the back of his head. He's been asked this before. He's repeated the story twice uh, uh, before. So he's, listen to what he says here. He's sort of changed his tack. He says, I've told you already and you would not listen. Listen, why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples? He says this to the Pharisees. Does he say this genuinely? Is he really asking? Or... Is he giving them a little bit of ribbing? Is he needling them a bit? Is he trying to get under their skin? I think it's the latter. He says, why do you keep asking me that? Do you guys want to follow after him? Do you guys want to be his disciples? What do you think they're going to say to that church? They reviled him, the Bible says, saying, you're his disciple. We're disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. So we're, we're genuine disciples of God. We, we answer to the law of Moses. We're legitimate. You aren't. The man said, well, this is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. If he was a sinner... If he was from the devil, he couldn't be performing miracles and signs like this. He couldn't be bringing sight to the blind. And the formerly blind man is right in that there is no account 
of someone born blind who received his sight in either the Old Testament or in extra-biblical sources in recorded history. He's got history on his side. He says, nothing like this has ever happened before, and you're going to call him a sinner? I say that's evidence that he has come from God. And so his faith continues to grow from Jesus the man to Jesus the prophet. And now he's saying, I believe that this is proof that he's come from God himself. Verse 33, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they said, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. They expel him from the synagogue, which we learned earlier was a threat. And so at the beginning of the story, we see the disciples saying, it must be because of sin that he's blind. And now we see the Jewish religious leaders saying, it must be because of sin that he believes what he is saying he believes about Jesus Christ. They throw him out. And with this section, it becomes clear what John is doing with this story. What the Gospel writer John is attempting to demonstrate, and that is that the formerly blind man has clearer vision than the Jewish leaders. The one who had lived in darkness all of his life, but who had just recently seen the light, both in his eyes and and in his heart, could see better than the ones whose eyes were sound, but who were walking in darkness and in ignorance and in a lack of understanding. What John wants to show us is that it turns out, after all, that the blind man can see, and the ones who can see, well, they're actually the blind ones. Fanny J. Crosby is one of the most beloved hymn writers in American history. And among her well-known hymns that we still sing today that are in our hymnals are, and this is just a short list, Blessed Assurance, Rescue the Perishing, Safe in the Arms of Jesus, Tell Me the Story of Jesus, To God Be the Glory, Praise Him, Praise Him, Redeemed How I Love to Proclaim It. I could go on. One thing that we all should know about this lady who died almost, well, over a hundred years ago now, is that She was blind. Many of you already knew that about Mrs. Crosby. She was blind almost from birth. In fact, she never remembered a time when she could see. And it's striking to me, and and do this as a project, not right now because, you know, it's in our sermon time, but some other time, pull out your hymnal, go to the back, look up songs by Fanny J. Crosby, and you will see that in many of her lyrics, she refers to, or she makes reference to, to something to the effect of seeing her Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I have a few examples. But purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport, when Jesus we see. A blind woman wrote that. Perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture, now burst on my sight. Here let me wait with patience, wait till the night is o'er, 
Wait till I see the morning break on the golden shore. This was a woman who longed to see her Savior. And in a sense, she already could in this life. Even though she was blind, she could see better than most. The formerly blind man's faith seems to grow before our very eyes as we see this story unfold. And as our faith grows, it should be as if our sight is gradually improving. Our vision is getting clear. It should be as if scales have fallen from our eyes and we can now see the Lord for who He is, exactly who He is, and we can see the world for, who God, for what God made it to be, and we can see people as God intends for us to see them, as precious creations of God made in His very image. And as we seek His will, increasingly, our path is increasingly illuminated by Jesus the Christ, who calls Himself the light of the world. The Proverbs writer talks about this in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18. The writer says, The path of the righteous, the one who is seeking to live righteously, the one who seeks to live according to God's will, it is like the light of dawn. It is like a sunrise. And that path shines brighter and brighter until full day. As the song says, brighter the way grows every day. This man, we see a progression in this story. Not just in regard to his physical sight, but his spiritual insight, his spiritual vision. He goes from seeing Jesus as man to profit to one cent of God. And there's one last step that we'll get to momentarily. And his journey should compare to ours. We should likewise be progressing in our faith. We should be seeing Jesus in a clearer way every day. We should be becoming more grateful for what he has done in our life. Our purpose should, should come into greater focus as we travel this path of faithfulness. In contrast, listen to what the Proverbs writer says in the very next verse, the way of the wicked. Well, it's like deep darkness. In fact, the way of the wicked just gets darker and darker. The one who rejects the way of the Lord, the one who does not want to live according to His will, it becomes so dark that people like that, they don't even know over what they stumble they're just stumbling around, feeling around in the darkness. We, we must feel a sense of pity, a sense of compassion for people like that. Paul talks in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. He says to the church in Ephesus, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Instead, expose them. For it's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. People who do not love the Lord do in secret. There are things going on under the cover of darkness in our world that it is not fit for people of faith like us to even speak about. There is great darkness that many have embraced. Many cannot see the light. And we should thank God every day that He has delivered us by His grace, by the gift of His Son from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of light. As the story ends, the one 
who brought the healing in the first place returns to the spotlight. We find beginning at verse 35, Jesus. Jesus has been absent from this narrative since the beginning when He came and brought healing to the blind man and now He's back. Jesus heard that they'd cast Him out of the synagogue and having found Him, He said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? So you see, his understanding is still in its early stages. Jesus said, you have seen him. You've seen him. That's a loaded statement right there, is it not? You've seen him. You wouldn't have been able to see him before. Before I came into town. Before I brought you sight. But now he stands before you and you can gaze into his face and you can look into his eyes. It's me. I am he, the one, the very one who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment, I came into this world that those who do not may who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. From man, to prophet, to one who is from God, to Lord, I believe. He can see. He can really see. He now has spiritual sight. And as amazing as that miracle was that we considered, Jesus brought him sight before. It's even more amazing that this man can now see the world as God made it to be. And he can see that the Lord Jesus Christ is standing before him. I think about a quote from C.S. Lewis that is quite famous. He says, I believe in the Christian faith as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. When you confess faith in the light of the world, the light of the world will illuminate everything around you and you will see the world as God intended for it to be seen. Your purpose will come into greater focus. You'll be able to see people as God sees them. Everything is brought into the light. And so, may your faith and your sight grow as the formerly blind man's. I want to ask you, are you progressing in your faith as he does? Is your way growing brighter and brighter? Is your understanding increasing? Is the purpose of your life coming into fuller focus? And if you're not a baptized believer, you have the opportunity today to come and to confess faith in Christ And though you were blind, you can be given the gift of sight. You will come up out of those waters of baptism, a new creature who can say, now I can see. If that's your desire today, if that's something you know that you need to do, that you need to repent of your sins and confess faith in Christ and be baptized so those can be washed away, we don't want you to wait a minute longer. If you're struggling spiritually, if you feel that, you know, you've just sort of plateaued, that, that you are stagnant in your life of faith, we want you to come. We want to pray that God will set you back on the right track on a pathway that grows brighter and brighter every day. If you have spiritual needs right now, why don't you come and make them known as we stand and sing.